Hi, I'm Logan Van Beek, and you're listening to How's That, the Cricket Podcast. How's that? You missed about, I called you up. How's that? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of How's That, the Cricket Podcast with me, Ollie. And me, Lily. Got another bumper episode for you this week, and we've got the World Cup fever. We've got a World Cup guest, Netherlands bowler Logan Van Beek, is on the podcast. An absolute privilege to speak to him, particularly after they knocked off South Africa the previous day from, uh, from when we recorded the interview. So to speak to him was absolutely wonderful. But before we get to that interview, we're going to have a bit of a waffle about cricket, as we always do, as we love to do on this podcast. And we are going to start in the theme with the T20 World Cup. Yeah, it's been super fun, hasn't it? Obviously, there's been some games down in Adelaide, so I've been able to see some stuff live. But the games have been awesome. And speaking about the Netherlands... It's been great to see them win their last two games. But to start at the beginning, the first game from where we left off was New Zealand versus Ireland, with New Zealand winning by 35 runs. So, Ollie, do you want to talk us through these games so far? So, yeah, New Zealand, they went into that game against Ireland expecting to win and just to make sure that they progress, really, after knocking off Australia in the first game, it's really been set up for them in their own hands. And they did well. They put 185 for six on the board, which was way more than enough. Um, obviously, shout out goes to Josh Little for taking a hat-trick, uh, quite a wonderful hat-trick as that as well, getting rid of Kane Williamson, Jimmy Neesham and Mitchell Santner in three deliveries. So congratulations to him. Uh, a couple of wickets went to Gareth Delaney and one to Mark Adair, uh, but in the end, 185 for six. You know, they were under no threat of losing that one. New Zealand putting up a fight was Paul Sterling with 37 and Balburnie with uh, 30 or 25. They were looking good early on where, uh, where Ireland. They lost the first wicket just after the end of the eighth over, and they had 68 runs on the board. So if they'd have kept on going, um, maybe they could have given it a good run for the money, but um, it was really New Zealand's game to lose right from the off, and they ended up saluting in that one. Then we had Australia, Afghanistan. Afghanistan ran it close with, uh, you know, hometown favourite Rashid Khan belting a few in the last over that nearly saw his country over the line. Um, Australia put 168 for eight on the board. Claire Maxwell with a really well-crafted 54. Um, Mitchell Marsh with 45 off 30 was a really good knock. And it looked like Afghanistan were going to get over the line before they collapsed, absolutely imploded throughout the middle overs. They were two for 99 at one stage and then found themselves 103 for six. So they lost four runs uh, for four wickets, which was unbelievable. But in the end, they just fell short. Rashid Khan, 48 off 23 with three fours and four sixes. In the end, Australia just about doing enough to get over the line. Wickets going two to Hazelwood, two to Zampa, and one to Kane Richardson. Um, but then progressing on from there, those games are obviously in Adelaide. You went to those games earlier, as you mentioned. So uh, what's it been like in Adelaide? What's the World Cup fever sort of been like? Has it been, you know, buzzing up and about down in Adelaide? It's been insane. And, and one of the things that we thought was mental was because the game between Netherlands and South Africa, in order for... Pakistan or Bangladesh to have the chance to make the finals they needed Netherlands to beat South Africa so it was absolutely insane and and the crowd like it was mental it was, it was so loud it was cheering um with all the the Pakistan and, and Bangladeshi fans going for Netherlands but no brilliant game and yeah really really enjoyed that Netherlands uh, South Africa game yeah certainly we'll get on to that one in a bit more detail in a moment but before that double header we had the euphoria of England for, at least for me, making it through to the semi-finals, confirming their spot, uh, their spot with a win over Sri Lanka. And we made this so hard for ourselves. We bowled really well after the, the power play from, uh, from Sri Lanka. They were 
batting really well. We restricted them to 141 for eight. Pathan Sanka, unbelievable knock, two fours, five sixes in his 67. Uh, and in the end, they just sort of yeah, fell away after that, really. Uh, no one else really went with him. And in the end, you know, good bit of bowling. Brilliant from Mark Wood after he went for 17 in his first over going uh, three for nine in his next two. Adil Rashid taking his first wicket for the tournament, going in an economy rate of four as a spinner, which I thought he was remarkable. One for 16 off his four overs. Uh, other wickets going to Stokes, Wokes and Sam Curran getting one. And England looked like they were absolutely coasting through this one. You know, 75 for one we were after 7.2 overs. That was the loss of Josh Butler's wicket. And we sort of thought, you know what? We could sort of coast this, qualify. We had to, we had to make it dance last over, didn't we? Uh, Chris Wokes hitting the winning runs and I was alone in my living room watching this game and I went absolutely ballistic. I went absolutely ballistic. Not since, not since in a cricket sense, not since the cup to run out in the 2019 Men's World Cup final. Have I gone that crazy? Um, it was wonderful. Um, and obviously that then knocked Australia out. So the final four being New Zealand, Pakistan, England and India. Um, of course, the match between New Zealand and Pakistan, we're recording this on Tuesday. That's scheduled for tomorrow. And the England-India game is scheduled for Thursday. Now, we think that this episode is going out on Thursday. So you'll know what's happened between New Zealand and Pakistan. Uh, you probably won't know what's happened between England and India. But I am hoping, hoping that England get over the line um, so we can go to the final. I've got tickets for the final, obviously, being at the MCG. You're going to England, India. So we're both going to be going to games um, right at the twilight of this tournament. I'm hoping so much that England can get to that final. Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? But like like we said, it's going to be a tough game between India. They put up obviously a really, really good score against Zimbabwe the other day, 186 for five. So really solid score. And like we said, England, they've been kind of scraping. They haven't had like a really confident win yet. We want that one where it's, just really, really solidified without even having to think, oh God, you know, what's going to happen here? So that's going to be an interesting game for sure. And uh, like we said, it's going to be at Adelaide Oval, so it's going to be absolutely mental. There's going to be so many Indian fans there. I'm not even going to be able to hear myself speak. So that's going to be an interesting one for sure. Yeah, it certainly will. But just to talk about a couple of other games and to give Netherlands all of their credit because they deserve it. They've really show, uh, shake up this tournament. Obviously, with a Netherlands player on, we've got to talk about Netherlands at length here. Defeating South Africa and knocking them out of the tournament. Remarkably, South Africa, you know, they are the cricket chokers in history and synonymously, you know, the choker tag has been brandished upon them and they've done it again. They All they had to do was win this game they were through and they couldn't. Um, brilliant bit of batting from the Netherlands. You had uh, Myberg with uh, 37, Max O'Dowd with a nice 29, Tom Cooper 35, Ackerman 41, all contributing, 158 for four. and South Africa couldn't get anywhere near it. The Netherlands defending that one, 145 for eight was all that South Africa could muster. Wickets going two to Klaassen, one to Van Mikkeren, three to Brandon Glover, two to Baz Delade, and Netherlands out of nothing getting a massive, massive win to bundle South Africa out and really shake up this tournament. Yeah, for sure. And, and it was, like I said, it was just an amazing game with the atmosphere, the crowd. It was scorched down with sun it was just it felt like summer again and it really made me look forward to what we've got upcoming this summer but yeah so exciting and and it was just such a such an incredible game and so good to see all the Netherlands players just so happy afterwards you know even though they weren't progressing in the tournament that was the end of their tournament 
they just loved that win so much and that it's just a nice little heartwarming feeling that they really really loved that win and how much that win meant to them so we also hear about that in our interview firsthand from one of the players who played in that game so that's exciting but we will now move on to some WBBL stuff Lily yeah we will and what a week it's been of WBBL. I have been waiting for this moment because the Strikers have had victory over the Melbourne Stars, but we won't talk about that one just yet. We'll ease into it with the Brisbane Heat and the Sydney Thunder. Brisbane Heat winning by 14 runs, setting 163 off 20 overs and Sydney Thunder 9 for 149. So couldn't quite make it over the line there. Do you remember the start of the season? We had this talk of who we predict we're going to win. And you said Thunder and I said Hurricanes. And look where we are now. <laughs> Not doing very well. We probably should have just believed in our own teams a little bit. Sometimes predictions don't come true. And, you know, you've got to be game enough to admit when you get it wrong. And we both have been humiliated. We've been left with, with egg on our face with some of these predictions. But it is the way it is. Yeah. But talking about that Thunder Heat game. Grace Harris was the player of the match for 74 runs. Uh, Georgia Redmayne's also scoring 64, Danny White 15, and Georgia Vole and Amelia Kerr both three not out. The only wicket taker in that entire innings was Belinda Vakarewa with three for 21 off her four overs. The only wicket taker. So that was not great on a Thunder's point of view, but Tammy Beaumont got a duck. It's not what you want to see in your international player and one of your star international players. Probably not ideal. But Phoebe Litchfield with 39, Sammy Jo Johnson with 41, Rachel Haynes with 31, and then single scores after that. But yeah, look, it hasn't been ideal for the Thunder, has it? They have struggled a bit. But yeah, we go on. And then the game of the moment, the rematch that we were talking about last week, Strikers won. So... Melbourne Stars batted first and set 112 off their 20. Wasn't a great total. No real starts. Annabelle Sutherland with 47. She was the only one who really got it going, but couldn't make her half century. And then the team just didn't excel after that. There was a couple of ones and a duck. So yeah, it just didn't really work out for them. Amanda Jade Wellington with three wickets for 20 runs. Gemma Barsby, Deandra Dostin with one each. And Megan Street with two wickets. Just what can you say? Really good from the strikers bowlers there, shared out pretty evenly. Well, what I will say is, as a Stars fan and, and, a, and an honest Stars fan, we were lucky to get there. I thought we were going to be sub 100 for a lot of that chase. And then Annabelle Sutherland, you know, was sort of meandering into her innings and then decided to hit a couple with a couple of overs to go and then hold out in the deep. But I thought we were lucky to get to 112, especially after the way we batted the other day against the same opponents, absolutely smashing the strikers. We then go out and do this. It was it was frustrating. It was. And obviously, Tess Flintoff helped us in the first game against the strikers. But yeah, I thought we were lucky to get to 112. And we were lucky to take it down to the final over in your batting innings. It, it wasn't a great performance at all. Well, that's it. It's one of those things where it's like, that feels like a total you should knock off a lot quicker than 19 overs. Um, yeah. you're taking your time, sure, but it got to the point where it's like, come on, just just get this done with. I can't handle this anymore. But Deandra Dotton's still not getting there. She got a duck. Katie Mack, four. Laura Wolf at four. So this was where we were like, right, our top order has all gone for less than double digits. What are we going to do? And then Bridget Patson came out, scored 31. Maddie Penner, 56, not out. Annie O'Neill only got three. And then Amanda Wellington, nine, not out. Maddie Penner, now I've got something to say about her. So I think she is extremely underrated. She has kind of come into the striker side. She's been there for a couple of years now. She's really come out of her shell and she's really started to excel at what she's good at. But this season, she has got us out of 
so many tough positions. We have been in so many top order collapses and we've really needed our middle order to pull together, whether that be in the losses against the Renegades like anything. She's been there in the middle and she's done so well and she's really pulled the strikers back together and she did that in this game and she's done it in a couple of games where she's been the one that we've had to rely on. Top order haven't done it. We've had to rely on our middle order and and she's been there. So big ups to Maddie Penner. Very glad she's with us, that's for sure. But yeah. So yeah, good. good knock. It was a great knock, wasn't it? And it was one of those where, as a Stars fan, I went away from this game thinking, when we're subpar with the bat, we are excellent with the ball. Like, the way that we bowled against the Scorchers earlier on in the tournament, which was a game that, obviously, we watched together. I was in Adelaide at this point. We're saying, we can't do this, can we? I was having the same thing again, where it's like, we can't win this game. Not after that, but we nearly did. And if not for the brilliance of Maddie Penner and the great batting of Bridget Patterson, we might have actually been a look um because we started really well with the ball but at the end of the day you can't really be putting 112 on the board and expecting to win but from a star's point of view Annabelle Sutherland again is quality well not quite been a, a one-person team but she's been the best player for the stars WBBL team with bat and ball this year I reckon uh Sasha Maloney chipping in with a wicket Tess Flintoff doing likewise but I don't think you can make 112 and expect to win too many games of cricket so slightly better with the bat We've got a team, I reckon, because we can certainly do it with the ball. But yeah, it was a really disappointing one, especially because it's the strikers as well. Aside from aside from the Melbourne derby, these are now the games that I, I've got circled. It's like, we need to beat the strikers just for my personal bragging rights. So we, we had that one momentary bit of celebration, but it's blue. It's blue until New Year's Eve when, again, I'll be surrounded by 45,000 South Australians. I'll be there at the game, maybe, you know, one of the only Stars fans in attendance. And we will make How's That Green again. And I can't wait. Uh, I don't know about it. But anyway, for now, that doesn't matter. Can't think yeah. too far ahead in the future. It's blue for now. Yeah. But moving on to Scorchers and Sixers. I thought Sixers would have had this one. They set 155 off 20 overs. Top order again, not really doing it. Elise Perry, 69, not out. Uh, Ash Gardner got a duck, which is probably not what you want to see. 25 from Aaron Burns and 27 from Maitland Brown. Off 17, Marriott. So really good there. Alana King doing Alana King things. Three for 27, off four. And Tanil Peschel and Lily Mills with one wicket each. And then Scorchers, Beth Mooney, 99, not out. Now, we were talking about how gutted Georgia Redmayne must have been for having 98, not out. Imagine getting 99, not out. Still winning the game, but just not getting your 100. I'd be so sad. I'd be so yeah. sad. Well, the thing is, obviously, the Scorchers, Beth Mooney hit the winning runs. And it was at a point where she's hit two fours to win the game. So she's hit two boundaries. She was on 91 and hit two boundaries. If one of those balls had gone for six, you'd have been thinking, yep, you've got 100. But it's a tough one, isn't it? It's one of those where, you know... It's so unlucky, but it's a great knock from Beth Mooney. 99, not out. is nothing to be sniffed at. Um, she's carried her bat, which is, you know, as an opener, carrying your bat is one of the best things you can do. She's done that. 14 fours, if you don't mind, with a six. Just hats off, Beth Mooney. One run can't define an innings because the 99 that she did get should. Yeah, she's amazing. Such a top-class player and, and brilliant to watch. Then moving on to the next game, Brisbane Heat and Hobart Hurricanes. Hobart Hurricanes setting 164 off their 20 overs and the Brisbane Heat winning by four wickets with two balls to spare. And then Melbourne Renegades, Sydney Thunder, 
let's just say I was not expecting this. I definitely tipped Thunder and they just went, nope, not happening. With Sydney Thunder setting 121 for six off their 20 overs and the Melbourne Renegades chasing it down in 18 overs. Sophie Molyneux was was the champion of that one, really. Stayed in there and, and secured the win for the Renegades. Then we've got the Strikers versus Scorchers. Scorchers setting, again, similar to Stars game, 119 off 20. And we managed to chase that down in 16 overs. So that's better. Didn't take it too slow. Still could have gone a bit quicker, but good. I like it. Deandra Dottin finally came to the table with a platter saying, this is what I can do. And we've been waiting for this for some time. Because like we said, she's she's got out pretty cheaply in the previous couple of games. 68 from 51 balls for her. Stayed in there right up until the end and then got out right at the end. So a bit disappointing there. Two wickets for Piper Cleary and one for Sophie Devine. And then in the strikers bowling attack, there was Megan Shoot with four wickets for 20 runs. Gemma Barsby with three. Gemma Barsby took two in the first over. Beth Mooney and Chloe Paparo. Beth Mooney for a duck and Chloe Paparo for a duck. Like That is pretty impressive. To go from 99 not out to a duck in the next game. Some pretty serious bowling, and that's from Gemma Barsby there. So really nice and really nicely played by them. And then the next game is Renegades and Hurricanes. Hobart Hurricanes winning by eight wickets. Now this is the Renegades that we were kind of used to seeing again. That Thunder game threw us off for a bit, thinking, no, we got this, but no, not quite. All out for 80 off 17 overs, and Hurricanes chasing that down in 10 overs, two for 82. So what can I say? There's not much you can say about the Renegades, is it, except kind of just shaking head and going, what's what's happened here? What has happened here? Yeah, well, if if Halzat isn't green or Melbourne, potentially maybe for this year, might be given how the Renegades have gone. Now, there's time for them to turn it around. They've got a Melbourne derby coming up soon, but getting bowled out for 80 is not what you want, is it, ever? I don't think that's something you ever want and Hobart doing it pretty easy, but there's lessons for the Renegades to learn. They've got talented players for sure, so I'm sure that they'll bounce back and, and learn from this and players like Ella Hayward and and the light can, can rise up and learn from it. I'm sure they'll be fine long term. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's the WBBL up to date. But now moving on to our interview. So like we mentioned at the beginning this week, we spoke to Logan Van Beek, who is a Netherlands fast bowler. And he was wonderful, wasn't he? Obviously, he has a, his own podcast. So we already knew that he'd be a great speaker going into it. Yeah, he certainly was. So uh, enjoy the interview with uh, with Logan now. Aston God, right on cue. The men in orange have struck early, and it's a big blow. Welcome, and thank you very much for joining us, Logan. Thank you, and it's nice to be here. So, do you mind just telling us where in the world you are at the moment, and what teams you're associated with, and you know where you're kind of at with your cricket at this point? Yeah, so right now I'm in Sydney Airport. Uh, I've just had a flight from Adelaide to Sydney. Uh, and on the back of uh, a T20 World Cup, uh, in the end, a very successful one for for the team that I was playing for, which was the Netherlands. And I'm on my way back to Wellington, where the season has already started there in Wellington, and uh, playing a game next week for Wellington. So that's where I'm at at this very moment, and I'm looking forward to a, a full summer back in New Zealand. It's, I've had uh, four back-to-back summers in a row, so... The body's been great, so I'm just enjoying keep keep on keeping on, really. Yeah, brilliant. And you mentioned about just coming off the back of a World Cup, and like you said, what a World Cup it's been. 
Now, you obviously represent the Netherlands. Can you tell us like how you can kind of qualify for them? Yes. So my, my grandparents came from the Netherlands in the 1950s. And so my father was born in New Zealand. Uh, and just the way passports work is that if you keep updating your passports, then it keeps um, being able to pass through each generation, regardless if they're born in the Netherlands or not. And so we have just made sure we've um, always renewed our passports or our Dutch passports. And that means that, you know, I was born with a Dutch passport and was able to represent the Netherlands, which is fantastic. And I've now since first playing for them in 2012, I've, I've played for nearly 10 years now for them. But for the most part, I've, I've born and raised in New Zealand and played most of my cricket in New Zealand for Canterbury and Wellington. Uh, and the way that the, the cricketing world works is that because the Netherlands is not a test playing nation and is, a, it is known as a, an associate nation, then I can play for the Netherlands. And if I was to be called up to New Zealand, I could play for New Zealand the next day. But then if I was to play for New Zealand, I then can't play for the Netherlands till, for another three years. Uh, and so it doesn't affect my domestic cricket in New Zealand. And yeah, so it's, I'm just taking all the opportunities I can. Yeah, that sounds great though. So you can like, you know, still play at home and then also play nationally for, for the Netherlands as well. So it, it must be nice to kind of have, have both and to be able to, you know, play domestically in New Zealand and then go and play national stuff as well. That must be pretty cool to do. Yeah, I'm very lucky, very lucky that uh, I've been fortunate enough to have this passport and, and just to be in the position I am, it just means... I'm able to, to go over and play these World Cups, which is amazing. And I've had a, an amazing Dutch summer where we've played a number of ODI series against the, big na the biggest nations in the world. And then, yeah, just to come back and, and play domestic cricket is, is a very much a blessing. And I'm very fortunate. I just try to make the most of it. Yeah, that's great. And now you mentioned, obviously, where well, you've been a part of the Netherlands team since 2012. So can you take us back to when you first made your debut? How did you get your call up? What was that whole experience like for you, if you can go all the way back to then? Yeah, uh, so it was, I was over in the Netherlands playing club cricket in 2012. And midway through the season, uh, they needed another bowler and I was uh back then that was kind of I was more of a known as a Kiwi but I said look I've got this Dutch passport as well uh but funny enough a little bit complicated is that because I played the World Cup for New Zealand under 19 in 2010 I actually wasn't able to qualify for the Netherlands for four years and so in 2012 it had only been two years so I was classified as an overseas player at that time because um, I was playing in the CB40 uh, league in, in England and so a little bit com complicated but I played it, my first game for the Dutch as an overseas in the CB40 league and then it wasn't until 2014 when I played the 2014 World Cup, T20 World Cup in Bangladesh is when I made my first official um, debut for the Netherlands as a local and that was in Shittagon uh, in Bangladesh and so I'm in you know not in the Netherlands I'm not in New Zealand I'm just in the middle of um, Bangladesh uh, and it was cool I, you know I've, I've always really enjoyed my heritage uh, my Dutch lineage lineage is that the word or Dutch heritage and you know to 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 represent them um, 
is really special. And I was singing the national anthem yesterday against South Africa, and it was, you know, I was really proud to be there singing the national anthem uh, and you know being an orange. It was it was pretty special. And each time I go out there and play, it's it's really special. So um, very much. I can't really remember the debut per se, but um, I definitely remember the the feelings. Is uh, is really proud. So obviously you mentioned just previously about your time with uh, New Zealand playing, you know, under 19 World Cup and you played obviously with some quality players, you know, likes of Jimmy Neesham, Bracewell, plenty more that have obviously gone on to then play international cricket for New Zealand. Uh, what mm. was that, you know, sort of experience like playing for New Zealand at a youth level and playing with such highly touted players? Yeah, it's... Uh... It was really special. Under 19 New Zealand team, we had Tom Latham open the batting. Uh, it was Harry Baum, who was as talented as, as all of them, uh, but he, he retired since. Um, then you had Jimmy Neesham at three, Corey Anderson at four, uh, five was Craig Kachopa. I was batting six back then. Uh, seven, Doug Bracewell. Eight, Michael Bracewell. And then we had a couple other guys, but the guys who missed out on that team were Matt Henry, Scott Kugeline, Lockie Ferguson, Mitch Satner, uh, Henry Nichols. Um, who else? There was a number of guys that have, it was a pretty big, pretty crazy uh, year group that we had. And unfortunately we lost the quarterfinals against Australia, which is definitely still something that uh, irks me to this day. Um, but no, it's, and since then, I've been playing with and against these guys for the last 10 years. So, you know, I, I've got them out a number of times. I've got me out a number of times. Um, you know, they've smoked me for six. I've hit them for six. So it's a, it's a bit of an ongoing battle since we've, we've played. And now, obviously, the, you know, a number of them are playing for the Black Caps and they'll be playing in this T20 semifinal next week or this week, sorry. Um, and yeah, so there's a rivalry, but it's a, there's also a healthy friendship um friendships that we've kind of made over the years when you're competing with guys non-stop and um you know i'm 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 hoping they do very well in the next kind of this week to to finally lift a, a world cup trophy which would be nice for new zealand yeah certainly and you talked you talked about that loss to australia um and obviously that ha would have happened at a very young age was that one of a few things that you would have learned and take on into your career and if so how have you sort of used the um, experiences that you had at such a young age to sort of help your career later in life? Uh, well, funny enough, those experiences always happen. They constantly happen. It's, it's, it's not just um, that one-off uh, at under-19s. It's the nature of, of a sporting career. And as well, cricket is it's so up and down. I, I have them, even in this tournament, I've, I've had a number of up and, ups and downs of being dropped and then coming back in the team and, um, you know, playing a slightly different role than I was playing previously, but you just kind of adapt. And I think now the older I've got, the more I've let go and uh, I just kind of play the game and just play what's in, what's in front of me and, and understand that, you know, I've, I've picked myself up a number of times after setbacks, after injuries, after big losses, after you name it. Um, and, you know, I, I know that I'm, I'm actually going to be okay. And I, I've, I've always got through them. Um, Funny enough, you know, people don't really care. Uh, you think a lot of people care about what's, you know, what's happening in your cricket career, but quite often, you know, people are not really that worried. They go, oh, that's bad. bad. Anyway, I've got to do X, Y, and Z today, and I've got to blah, blah, blah. So you can overthink, you know, your own personal failures a lot, but 
the more you can let go, the more you can find a little bit of balance in your life and um, understand that everything's going to be okay. And, and a great quote that I, that I use is this too shall pass. And, you know, the good feeling that I have right now after the success yesterday beating South Africa, uh, this too shall pass. And then it's the same with, you know, getting dropped or a bad injury. Uh, the feelings I get with that, you know, this too shall pass. So it's just something that I, you, you just got to trust that you will get better or not better, or you, you will um, get over the good and bad feelings. And it's just a matter of just being patient and, and keep doing the right things and another opportunity will present itself. Yeah, certainly a lot of things have gone right for you, but obviously you have just represented Netherlands in the T20 World Cup. It's been a wonderful tournament for the Netherlands. What is it like playing on the world stage and representing a country when you've got so many eyes on you from the cricketing world, not only in the Netherlands, but far beyond as well? Yeah, this this tournament had uh, some of my most special moments on, on a cricket field. The, the match against India at the SCG, and I was bowling two death overs to, you know, SK Yadav and Virat Kohli. And, you know, it was 40,000 fans, Indian fans screaming, Kohli, uh, Kohli. And I'm running in trying to bowl to Yorker. Uh, I was, yeah, for that, most of the innings I was floating, but for that, those two overs, I remember just laughing, thinking how ridiculous this is that I'm in the middle of the ECG bowling to Virat Kohli and, and Sky Yadav trying to stop them from hitting me, hitting me for six. Um, and I did it for nine balls. And then unfortunately, they, they both got me away with a couple of sixes. But that was just a, an amazing experience. Um, and then, yeah, just the, even the playing uh, Pakistan um, at Optus Stadium in Perth, where it's quite bouncy and quick. Uh, I, was, I wasn't picked for that game. Uh, and then five hours into the game, Buster later gets hit in the head and gets a, a concussion. And I was the, the replacement. And within about half an hour, I'm now facing 150 kilometers. Um, you know, Bounce, Harris Ralph, Nassim Shah, um, Shahina Freedy, you know, you just, you just suddenly transported into these kind of moments where you, you're almost looking at it as a fan going, wow, like if I was watching this right now, this would be really cool. And then suddenly you like realize, well, well hold on, I actually am in this moment right now. And Shaheen Afridi is running in right now. Um, and you kind of click back into your, that cricket competitiveness where you go, all right, come on, here we go, let's go. Um, and then just even that, the, that last game against South Africa, you know, no one gave us a, a show, you know, a chance in that game. And just as the game was kind of playing out, um, you know, South Africa were, were doing kind of what South Africa have done in World Cups um, and getting nervous and, 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 you know, getting a little bit tight. And we were just so, you know, free and un we understood our plans and, um, and that we had the Bangladeshi and the Pakistani fans both, you know, cheering for us towards the end of that, that, um, that innings. And, you know, you're in the middle of the Adelaide Oval, which I've watched all my life. And you're actually playing there. Um, so this this whole tournament has just been ridiculous in the sense of the last two weeks I've been to every major ground in the country and well in Australia, sorry. And you know, it's uh, it's definitely been life goals kind of tick with that. And regardless of how you go, it's just been in those moments is is pretty cool. Yeah, and you mentioned there about the the game yesterday with South Africa and the Netherlands. And I know it must be pretty hard to kind of 
reflect on it as it is so fresh. It, you know, it just happened yesterday. But you mentioned about how the Pakistan and Bangladesh fans were really encouraging you and cheering you on because mm. they kind of needed that win to knock South Africa out for their teams to progress. So even though they were going for you for their own real reasons, but they were still cheering you on. So what was it like to have that encouragement from so many loud because I was there, it was an insane game. And it was it, towards the end there, it was just like, I couldn't even hear myself talk. So yeah. what was it like for you out on the out on the field within those last couple of overs? What was the whole emotions like for the team there? I, I think when when Brandon Glover bowled that over and he got two wickets, he got David Miller out. And uh, Rula Fenevieva caught that catch, amazing catch. And that was huge. You know, we that was probably the point where we were going, wow, okay, we could actually win this. and. Then two balls later, he gets Wayne Parnell out. And we're going, oh, my God, like, we're, we're on here. Uh, and I think I bowled the next over after that. And to be honest, what I was thinking, I was just thinking, okay, what's what does this require right now? Okay, the pitch is a little bit slow. Um, all right, slower balls are probably going to be uh, the name of the game. Maharaj has just come in as well, so I can still go hard length to him and, and try and get him out. Um, but then with uh, with class, and I think it was, I was just trying to go wider, wider slower balls, leg cutters, try and get hit out to the biggest side. And you, you know the crowd's there, you know the situation, you know, you can see the scoreboard and all those things, but you just try and focus on, okay, what do I need to do right now? And I'm going to try and do this to the best of my ability for six balls, well, for one ball, and then I try and do it again. And so that happened, and then, Bussy bowled the next over, and, he, and then I was actually mid-wicket, and I actually caught Klaassen out of the mid-wicket. And that was a big moment because, you know, he was the last kind of recognised batsman. Um, and I think as well, when that, I feel in that position quite a lot, but in that moment, the ball gets hit to you. You can kind of feel like it's, it's going to come towards you potentially, but when, as the ball goes in the air, you hear the crowd kind of scream. Um, you know the moment. You know, this is a, a big moment. Um, and then you just try and click back into catch, catch, catch it, catch, 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 catch it, um, and try and keep it as positive as possible and just do, just do what's required in front of you. Um, and then I bowled the end and I bowled the, the second to last over and, um, you're just doing your job really. And you're not having to overcomplicate it. You just realize what you need to do right then. And then once the game was finished, I think I had no actually last last over I actually dropped a catch at Dima Wicket on the first ball. But I after I finished my over, I was kind of floating a little bit because I was thinking, wow, they need 26 of the last over. We're about to beat South Africa. This is quite ridiculous. And I had all the fans behind me screaming, and the ball gets hit up. And as the ball was in the air, I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. The ball's coming straight to me. This is going to be so easy. And I dropped it. Um, but it, it Weirdly, I was thinking, well, at least I stopped the six or the four, whatever. They only got one run off it. Um, and then, yeah, so then we had that, the winning moment, which was fantastic. As we're walking off the field, both Bangladesh and Pakistan are walking onto the field and they're clapping us and they're cheering us that, you know, Baba Azam and, and uh, Shadab Khan and all these fellas are giving us high fives and they're like, thank you so much, thank you so much. Um, and then we had all the fans as we're kind of walking off the ground. And then we've just, I've just had, you know, bombardment of Instagram messages and I did a bit of a dance at the start of the, the on media day and at that Shabak kind of retweeted me dancing to some 
with it with Pakistan music behind it, saying you know this is the whole of Pakistan at the moment. So you see those things, which is quite fun. And then just today, um, turning up to the airport, I was on the same flight, well as Pakistan going to Sydney, and you know I was walking down the plane, and they were giving me high fives uh, as I was walking down the plane, and going thank you, well done, awesome, awesome, awesome. And I know some of the guys now quite quite well after playing them against them a couple of times. Um, and then also just, have, just randomly just had Pakistan fans getting selfies and saying thank you so much. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's been, uh, it's only been 24 hours, but it's, uh, it's pretty special and it's going to be a bit of a come down going back to New Zealand where um, there will obviously be some cricket fans who, who would have known what's going on. But uh, for, for the most part, it's kind of back to reality and um but it's been fun, definitely been fun, and it was a, it was just a great day, a great day, and we had a, we had an awesome uh, team drinks after, and we had a bit of a fine session, and we just had a really nice time to cap off, which had been a ridiculous Dutch summer and a ridiculous um, World Cup for us, which is which is awesome. Obviously, you talk about obviously all the Pakistan fans and the Bangladesh fans idolizing you in a sense. Does it feel does it feel real almost that you've got fans from Pakistan and Bangladesh sort of saying all these things and giving you all these messages and making all these dance videos? You know, does it feel real that that's you at the epicenter of all that? Uh, it's funny. It, it's it, it's I, I had five weeks in India before I came to the World Cup with New Zealand A, and the fans over there were just like amazing, amazing fans in India. They you know, think cricketers are the just the best thing since sliced bread. You're the biggest celebrities and they want selfies, they want to dance. And I was, I was playing with them in the crowd and, you know, um, you can, you know, you give them slight attention and they just lose their mind. Um, and so you, you, that gave me a realization of how passionate Indian, Pakistan, Bangladesh fans are about cricket. And it, it, it is the, their biggest kind of love. And so when they, yeah, when they see someone who's, you know, actually on the ground playing against their heroes and, you know, in the moment. So you, you, you kind of get brushed with that celebrity-ness, which I'm not really used to in terms of back in New Zealand where it's not really, cricket is pretty low on the rung of, of celebrities. Um, well, New Zealand don't really treat celebrities like that anyway, but the, it's just amazing that, you know, they're, it's awesome, really. It's it's just really cool, and and going through Instagram and and seeing the videos being made and things like that, and the happiness that you know you you you've brought people and the enjoyment people have when they make those videos and thing, and things like that. So, um, it's cool. It's really cool, and and I'm I guess I'm just enjoying it at the moment. But again, like I said, this too shall pass, and you know, in a week's time, you know, they'll be they're doing the next thing, and you just kind of. You enjoy it, you appreciate it, you'd be grateful. Um, and it's it's definitely, you know, locked in the memory bank for, for a long time. Yeah, certainly. And I think that is one that will, will stick with you and maybe stick with uh, Pakistan fans, even or given how well they could do from it. It may be one that could uh, lead on from there. But if we go back a little bit uh, to the game before yesterday against Zimbabwe, obviously won that one as well. How nice was it to get that first win as it was then and then to give you momentum into the South African game? And how important was that, do you think, in the fact that you ended up uh, beating South Africa yesterday? Yeah, so the the we felt like we'd underperformed the whole tournament. We felt like we 
we hadn't been able to put a complete performance. We played UAE in the first match and we just scraped over the line. We played Namibia and we just scraped over the line. Uh, we played Sri Lanka and we didn't play well at all. And then we played Bangladesh. And the Bangladesh game is one that hurts the most is because we knew that we had a better team than Bangladesh. And we bowled well, gotten restricted to the 140 and thinking, all right, happy days. We're going to go out there and, and knock it off. And suddenly we lose two wickets in the first two balls. And then we have two very dumb runouts. And suddenly we're four down for 16 or whatever it was. And that just kind of knocked the wind out of our sails. And we, we, we went away from that game thinking, damn it, that was a, a missed opportunity. You know, we're trying to make the semifinals. We believe we can make the semifinals. And we've just started like that in the Super 12s. And so we were really gutted. And as well, you know, we were also trying to make top eight and to qualify for the next World Cup. So we we're quite flat. And then we had the high of, of playing India. And I, and I say the high of playing India, although we got beaten quite badly, it was just for all the guys in the team that had never played India before to play in front of 40,000 fans. That was just like a bit of like a, an event that happened. It, it seemed too kind of surreal to actually, for it to actually happen. It was just... It was a, a strange feeling for, for all the guys. And then Pakistan was a bit of a disaster. Um, you know, the guys just weren't used to batting on those services against those types of bowlers. Um, and so that we were pretty down after that. And so going into that Zimbabwe game, we, we were determined to put in a, you know, a complete performance and know that we could, you know, we knew our bowling attack was really good. We just needed our batting to kind of come to the party and it was it was just a, a more of a relief rather than an excitement that okay cool we can you know that's how good we actually are uh and then moving into that surfing game um we kind of knew the conditions a little bit and you know we knew that if we put our best performances in didn't think we would necessarily win the game but we knew that would be a very good chance of of giving them a good run and i think as soon as we were kind of 50 for none and then we got to 160, we went into that halftime going, ah, okay, here we go. We're on here, we're on here. And we believed as a bowling group, we could actually defend this. So um, yeah, that Zimbabwe game was was really important just to know that we can put in a performance and that obviously flowed into yesterday's game. Yeah, and, and that definitely worked out for sure after yesterday's performance. But you spoke about the next World Cup and being in that top eight. The win yesterday put you into the top eight and it means that you won't have to go through the group stages for the next World Cup, which was in the West Indies and USA. For those just listening along, it was a little bit of a relief sort of gesture there from you. But how good is that, um, that you've been able to get into the top eight and you don't have to go through the first stage next time around? You moved forward that far? Is your mind flicked that far forward or is it just... Still focus on the present. No, hundred percent. That's a, that's the biggest relief. It's um, sorry, there's probably a little bit of uh, background noise here, but the that is the biggest thing for an associate country. The hard thing is is that you every time you play a tournament or a series or a qualifying tournament, you're always playing for your next kind of year or two of funding, of matches. Of there's there's so much pressure that the big nations actually don't face. Is that we're actually playing for our next opportunity to play games. And so the pressure you have when you go to those tournaments, you know, you play the likes of Uganda 
Yeah. Uganda, Hong Kong, Singapore, USA in the last in the last uh, qualifying, and the nature of T Twenty, like we've just done to to South Africa, those teams can easily do that to us as well. Where someone just has a day out and we have a bad off game, and suddenly we lose that game, then we don't qualify. Then the funding goes out the window, and we have no matches pretty much for the next you know year. So there's a, there's a different kind of pressure that associate countries face compared to the bigger nations where yes they may lose the game and you know they may lose the tournament but they've always got a guaranteed series in a month's time or a guaranteed spot in the next world cup or a guarantee and so there's a different kind of pressure they have obviously the the status of you know being the best players in the world and and the pressure of of you know everyone watching them and a lot of eyes on them um but yeah for associate countries those qualifying tournaments are brutal and so for us to to not only beat South Africa but for, to then qualify for the next World Cup without having to do any of those qualifying tournaments is just you know that's the part that the guys are just so happy about and you know a lot of the team a lot of the group we had yesterday will still be there in, in a couple of years time as long as you know I don't play for New Zealand or Tim Pringle doesn't play for New Zealand or some of these guys, guys don't play for you know their countries of birth um we're gonna have a pretty similar team and and hopefully you know a couple of the random dutch people that come out of the woodworks and 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 join the squad so um and as well to be in the west indies and usa it's cool it's it's you know an amazing place to to travel uh, i'm actually west indian my grandfather played for the west indies in new zealand uh on my mother's side and so it's kind of a bit of a homecoming to go play cricket and and over there which is which is going to be really special yeah I think it's super interesting that because it's obviously the joint world cup isn't it with USA and and West Indies hosting so it's a bit different isn't it because like you said the USA haven't been involved they're going to be involved because it's being held there so what are you looking forward to about that and about traveling over there it must be pretty cool to to go over to somewhere new and and play somewhere where it necessarily hasn't been played yet yes so one of my cricketing goals is to play in as many different countries as many different grounds uh, as I can possibly can and and the West Indies and and the USA are two places that I haven't played cricket before so that's going to be really special to just to be playing in you know these grounds and you know I watch on TV and I can go well I've been there I actually know that you know what it's like Um, and then as well you know you always get positive uh, vibes thinking about the West Indies and the beaches and you know the the tour will be, you know, pretty awesome traveling around, you know, Florida and, and the West Indies and Barbados and St. Lucia and St. Kitts. And my home uh, country is Trinidad, see family there, which would be really cool. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a very exciting thing to think of. It's, it's still a couple of years away, which is, which um, we'll just have to put on the back burner for a little bit, but something to, to very much look forward to. And, um, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm still a major part of the, the Dutch team and, and uh, we can, you know, do a few more upsets, but I hopefully by then they're not upsets. We're just a very competitive team uh, and, you know, teams have to take us pretty seriously because um, we're no pushover. So hopefully, you know, that next tournament, you know, we're, we're in the conversation of the semifinals as a potential team. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned before as well about it being, you know, such a huge step in qualifying already, not having to go through all of that. 
you also said there that you know you want to be recognized as one of the main teams one of the core teams so what are the steps in between and do you think there are anything in particular in between that the Netherlands have to kind of work to in order to to be taken as seriously as you know Australia England all those teams what are those little steps in between that's going to really progress Dutch cricket uh so yeah so we first of all we need um we I say we need we need probably more play, um, players competing for the Dutch team. Uh, right now, you know we've got a, probably about a squad of 15, 16, 20 guys probably, um, and then from there it just kind of drops off a little bit. And I think that the the, the difference between uh, Netherlands and you know these bigger countries, they've got a number of guys in the wings that can easily fill the fill the roles that if you know someone's not scoring runs they can get a guy just as good to come in and score runs whereas the netherlands if you know one or two of your better players are not scoring runs but there's no one there to replace them or or put pressure on so we need more people playing uh, cricket in the netherlands we need more players in australia new zealand south africa wherever who have dutch passports to, to come over and and play and compete you know tristan stubbs had a had a has a Dutch passport and he was potentially going to play for us last World Cup, but through a little bit of politics and he didn't end up playing. But, you know, guys like him who, you know, guys who are potentially going to play for the countries, but in the meantime can come over and, and play for Holland. So, you know, we need to find more players like that. And we just need to overall, you know, skill up. The Westernies and, and Florida are traditionally known as, as slow wickets. So, we need our spinners. We've got all our spinners are all 19, 20 years old. So Sharice Ahmed, you know, Tim Pringle, uh, Aryan Dutt, um, you know, these guys need to, to level up in terms of their ability to bowl spin because they're going to be play a bit more of a bigger role in those tournaments. Uh, and then, yeah, I think the major probably work on is our batting. We need to strengthen our batting. Uh, bowling was, you know, our bowling lineup this year was just as good as most of the, the international teams, uh, but it was the betting side where we, we probably struggled to chase down totals and, and put decent scores on the board that our bowlers could defend. And so, um, yeah, I would love to find, you know, one or two, you know, good batsmen that have come out of the woodworks, but as well, um, I've got to improve my, my position at seven or eight. Uh, you know, I've got to be a, a better finisher. Um, and so that's going to be my major focus that come 20, 2024 that I'm, you know, solidified that number seven spot as the finisher for the team. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm winning those games. Um, so it's just a matter of, you know, guys got something to look forward to and, and to work towards and yet they've just got to now take it upon themselves to really make sure that they're on that plane to the West Indies and then also ready to, to uh, compete with the best teams in the world. It's basically, if anyone's listening to this, you're saying play for the Netherlands if they can, because that's something that, that obviously needs to happen. So if anybody's out there, all three of us, we encourage you to go and um to go and play play for the Netherlands. If you have 100%, a percent Lily. Yeah. No, honestly, <laughs> honestly, if you've got a Dutch passport and you're a good cricketer and you want to play international cricket and have experiences like I did yesterday and and you know get a chance to play in the, some of the best grounds in the world against the best players in the world get yourself to Holland next summer and play club cricket over there, get yourself known. Um, and it, it doesn't affect your status 
in your home country of Australia or New Zealand or England or South Africa or Pakistan or India or Bangladesh, whatever it does, it doesn't affect your status. Even if you don't have a Dutch passport and you love cricket, go to Holland for the next two or three years, three years and qualify for the Netherlands. So, you know, whatever the qualifying process is, you're going to be there for 183 days, you know, play three seasons of club cricket back to back do it and in three years time you you could be playing in world cups because there's going to be world cups after 2024 there's going to be tours there's going to be cricket is not going away anytime soon um and it's a great platform to to get yourself out there and and you know in the future it's going to be all these t20 leagues and and you know jumping around the, the leagues and if you want to be noticed come play for the netherlands and that's the part that we need is we need as many players to compete for these for the top for the for our top team so that overall our level rises and so 100% encourage people to get themselves to to the Netherlands next year brilliant you need to run some sort of like social media thing to to get people involved that's for sure that's some um, great campaigning absolutely so yeah brilliant just in terms of the next world cup the roadmap given that this one's now over for the Netherlands the roadmap to the next world cup starts now um, so what is your plan to ensure that you are on the plane in 2024 to go to the West Indies in the USA? Yeah, uh, my plan, uh, definitely to improve my batting. So I want to be a finisher for, for the Netherlands. I want to be able to go out there, assess the situation, play accordingly to the situation and, you know, finish innings with, you know, a number of boundaries and, and, and be up there with, you know, one of the better finishers in the world um when it comes to t20 cricket so that's my number one focus is to is to make sure that or is to improve that and have the confidence um i feel i've got the ability i just need to i need to well i want to i don't want to say need but i want to improve that and 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 be nail that number seven role for for the netherlands and and be that guy to to you know when the situation is needed you know logan comes into bat and you know the the air that David Visa, David Miller, um, you know Daryl Mitchell, Jimmy Neesham, um, uh, Liam Livingston, Ben Stokes the other night. You know these guys are the, the top of the top. So I would love to to get into that conversation. Um, it might be a little bit far at the moment, but it's actually not that far. That's the funny thing about cricket is that a lot of the guys have the skill. It's just the the guys who do it the best are the ones who can, you know, get in the moment and deliver in those moments and follow through in those moments. So that's my number one focus is to to improve that and, and almost make it as a batsman before my bowling and fielding. Um, of course, I'm going to um, keep improving my fielding. That's something that I love to do. And, and um, that's one of my strengths is, is to be, you know, uh, one of the best fielders on the team, but in the world, that's something I, you know, I want to be known as. And then with the bowling side is, is I think one of my strengths is I'm, I'm quite adaptable. I can, you know, adapt to any situation. Um, but yeah, I'd love to uh, play a slightly bigger role, but I think for the most part with the bowling side is I just keeping my body in check. The, the blessing I've had in the last couple of years is that I haven't been injured for, for two, for a couple of years. And I've just, play constant cricket and by 2024 I'll be 34 by then um but I feel at the moment I feel 26 25 you know I'm probably a little bit tired a little bit hungover at the moment but <laughs> on a normal day that I'm 
I'm actually, uh, I feel great, you know? And so keeping the body in check will be also uh, a very important thing because I won't be able to train if I, I don't have my body on my side. So that is my plan. And at the meantime, it's go back to domestic cricket in New Zealand. And, um, you know, if, if I do start going really well, funny enough, I might play for New Zealand and might be playing for New Zealand in the 2024 T20 World Cup. So it's a, it's a funny one because, you know, obviously I'm, I'm wanting to improve and, and get better. And the better I perform, the more, you know, there's a higher chance that I could play for New Zealand, which then will cur curtail my kind of Dutch career. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a bit of a, um, I feel like it's a bit of a win-win really. The, the better I get, I'm going to be in a, in a good position. So um, haven't sat down and wrote the roadmap, but that's, off the top of my head how I'm going to go about it yeah and absolutely it seems like a fair one that you know it's a win-win Netherlands New Zealand it opens up the doors but just to move away from cricket ever so slightly you've got your own podcast as well uh follow through mm. with LVP if you want to give it a bit of a plug but um obviously that podcast is available you can listen to it wherever you want and um, could you tell us a little bit about it and your motivation as to why you wanted to start a podcast yeah yeah so so I lockdown happened but I was actually playing county cricket in 2019 and I was trying to work out, okay, what, if I wasn't playing cricket, what, you know, what would I want to do? And something that I really enjoy is having conversations. And so I love, I love going to cafes and, and, you know, being there with mates and asking, you know, insightful questions and, and why, why is that? And how do you go about that? And, and, I was finding that I was having these really cool conversations and I'd finish the conversation. I'd go, wow, that was really cool. I wish, you know, I wish we were, we, we recorded that. And so I was in Derby in 2019 and I was thinking, you know what, I'm just going to buy some, a microphone and some podcast kit. And I'm just going to start watching some YouTube, YouTube clips around how to start a podcast and every man and their dog was starting a podcast. And I was like, you know, but I feel like I, I could actually be quite good at it. And, you know, I, 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 my best mate played for uh, the Leicester Tigers rugby. And, and I said, man, can I just sit down with you? Let's record a podcast and talk about your journey and, you know, how you, you picked yourself back up from setbacks and, you know, some culture stuff and pretty much just around his journey. And we, we kind of go through the journey timeline. Um, and if we go off on a bit of a tangent, then um, so be it. And then, yeah, I got back to New Zealand and I did one with Jimmy Neesham and then I did one with Jenny Patel and then and then just kind of flowed on from there. And then and then what actually happened is I had these four or five recordings of of a of podcasts and then I let it kind of sit there for for a while and then the COVID um, lockdown was about to hit in the end of March and Mike Bracewell, who plays for the Black Caps, is one of my close friends. Uh, he said to me, he said, "Oh, oh Logan." you've been talking about this podcast for, for so long, are you going to even start it? And I'm quite competitive with Mike. And I said, well, I'm going to show you. And yeah, a week later, I, I released the first episode. And, and yeah, over that lockdown period of six months or seven months, eight months, I, I did 20 episodes. And um, it was cool. I did a range of um, athletes, it was mainly athletes around their journey and how they followed through on their aspirations and, and, and um, dreams really. And, you know, I had uh, Paralympians, I had 
uh, netball, uh, Silverferns captain. I had all blacks, downhill skiers, um, a few cricketers, and just try to do a bit of a, a wide base of you know sporting people and and how they kind of go about their careers and and the amazing part is that no matter what sport you play they're all very similar and they're full of ups and downs they're full of setbacks they're full of picking yourself back up uh, the you know quite often the it's a very simple mindset how they go about it uh, there's no real rocket science and yeah 20 episodes in and I've, i haven't released the podcast for for a while and i i bring my kit with me always um and i'm always stuck at security for 20 minutes because they keep looking at all the gear that i've got and um have to check it but i you know i, I possibly could have done a few episodes this this tournament i had dan christian who was our liaison who i i was uh keen to do it with but yeah i think uh once i have a bit of downtime it's been pretty hectic my life in the last kind of six months with non-stop cricket i think when i find a chance to you know have a bit of time off then i, I think I'll, I'll i'll pick it back up and um try and you know get into a new thing because i think media is something that i'm i'm interested in and you know i enjoy uh, interviewing people and you know being in front of the camera and things like that so um it's something that i have started with a podcast but hopefully you know maybe it, it, it and moves into something that's uh, in a bit more of a career standpoint. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be there. The great thing about a podcast, as you guys know, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, it's there forever. And, and um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of enjoyment recording podcasts. And I admire you guys starting a podcast because there's a lot of people that say they want to do a podcast, but it's actually people that actually follow through. Excuse the pun. Um, <laughs> on actually doing it and I just I was going through your Instagram and you've got you know I think you're up to 43 or 44 episodes yeah. now which is amazing and so I encourage you guys just to keep going keep reaching out to people to have chats because people love you know people will happily have a chat and um you know you never know who will say yes so just keep going keep going keep going keep going um that's something I need to do. I need to get back up and, and start it again. But um, I think it's just awesome that you guys have started it. And yeah, you never know where it can lead to. Absolutely. Now, one more thing. You mentioned there about media being kind of like a another passion of yours. And it's so good because a lot of players go into commentary, go into media when they've done playing. So is that something that you would want to do after you finish playing? Is that something that maybe you even want to start doing now and, and you know, getting involved with now? Yeah, 100%. I, 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 we did a bit of um, media day uh, before the World Cup started and I had the bike and I was going around some of the players and, and interviewing them. And, I, and after that day, I was like, wow, I actually really enjoyed that. And, and it kind of came quite easily. And it was, you know, so I was like, well, maybe, you know, that this is something that I should uh, look into doing. And I've actually, over the course of the World Cup, I, you know, I'm, I made sure I introduced myself to a number of the commentators and, and people there. And um, Mark Howard is probably someone that I, I see as someone, something that I could do. Um, he's got a podcast, he's on the radio, you know, he's, he's kind of that glue between all the, the commentators and, um, you know, it's something that I, I kind of go, well, I love, I love that role. Not necessarily the, probably the, the expert role, um, probably more, I love, like to have a bit more fun and 
and and um, bring the energy and and um, yeah, kind of bring everyone together. So um, whether that starts in a cricketing sense, I'm not sure. Um, but when I go back to New Zealand, I'm, I'm meeting up with uh, a radio host who I know quite well. Uh, we'll go for a coffee and I say, look, you know, I'm actually pretty serious about, you know, getting into this stuff and I'd love to explore how, how I could move forward and and uh, and I'll probably invest in myself in, in terms of doing some Toastmasters, some MCing, um, improving my, you know, my my speak, my media speak or my, my you know, diction and pronunciate, all those um, all those things and uh, my main thing will probably just be meeting people who are in, in the industry and, and just you know if there's any little opportunities I, I think I'll jump on them obviously cricket is still number one and, and that will take priority but if I can start doing it now um, you know hopefully there, there could be a smooth transition it, it may not be media but I, I think at the moment the, the enjoyment I got out of just doing that small media day um was like cool. I actually got a, a cool wee buzz from that, and um, even just doing this, even talking to you guys, like I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. And after this, I'll be like, ah, oh, that was fun. Like I, I enjoyed, um, you know, chatting to you too. And um, if I could do that on a daily basis, because the, the thing that I'm finding is that I get the same nerves before doing some sort of media as I do before I go out and play a match. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's really cool because that. You know, sometimes people, well, sports people, that's something that's really tough is that, you know, you have your sporting career and then suddenly, you, you know, you're in a, a normal job and you, you're you not getting that same feeling of, of um, nerves or excitement or whatever it is in, in the, your next job. So um, if I can find that, uh, that'd be great. And yeah, if it's media, then it's media. If it's not, then... Um, at least I've given it a good shot to, to investigate whether that's something that I'd like to do. So who knows? Watch the space. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that'd be brilliant. And look, we'll keep our fingers crossed that we, I don't know, hear you, hear you through headphones at some point down the line, whether it's commentating in New Zealand, like you said, who knows? But yeah, that'd be brilliant. I think mm. that'd be really great to see you um, progress <laughs> to, to that stage as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know it must be pretty busy for you at the moment. All the best for all your upcoming cricket. We'll, we'll definitely be tuning in. Hopefully we see you out there in the next World Cup, whether that be in an orange shirt, whether it be in a black shirt, who knows? Um, but yeah, mm. thank you again and safe travels home. <laughs> no, thanks, Lily. And thanks, Ollie. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you guys. And, and again, well done for, for starting the podcast. And I wish you all the best uh, with with the journey that you guys are going to have with that. And, and hopefully I'll see you around the traps in a, in a cricketing ground, or maybe I get interviewed uh, sidelined by you two. So who knows? Um, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And, and yeah, my journey is, uh, is continuing and, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it, it, how it plays out as well. So thank you guys and, and all the best. So that was Netherlands fast bowler Logan Van Beek. Wonderful interview. And I think both of us, when we uh, finished that interview, were just absolutely just buzzing, weren't we? A wonderful person. Obviously, just come off the back of euphoria in the World Cup beating South Africa. It was absolutely wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was brilliant. And like we said at the beginning, just so open and honest about his his cricket and really nice to hear 
about the World Cup as it's so fresh in everyone's minds and as it's so yeah, it's still going on really. So for him to jump on and chat to us while he's at the airport on the way home was amazing and we're super super thankful that that he jumped on and had a chat to us um and yeah we're looking forward to seeing what he does in the future yeah we certainly are and, and he obviously plugged his podcast or we, we we tried to plug it for him obviously of course because he's got his you know the, the least we can do is is shout his podcast as well so his podcast follow through with lvb make sure to go and give that a listen if you give that a chance on all good podcast platforms he's a wonderful talker so i'm sure you'll find something for you on there so we'd like to thank logan again for coming on absolute privilege to have him on our podcast yeah it definitely was so that is all for this week now next week we will be back with our first female stars guest which is probably exciting for you um we are joined by reese mckenna so stars and victorian young gun who's just finished school and is you know professionally signed with these teams so super exciting one to watch for the future so that will be next week but in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at How's That TCP. You can send us an email at How's That The Cricket Podcast at gmail.com. And if you feel like it, if you want to, you can leave a rating on Spotify. That would help us out massively. But that is all from me this week. Likewise, enjoy the end of the World Cup. Come on, England. Hi.